Hello, everyone. This is Shannon Morgan, and you are listening to Episode 8 of Sound Mind, a place to openly discuss the struggles in our minds, including mental health, trauma, addiction, and more. I am not a counselor, and this podcast is not meant to replace professional therapy. More like somewhere you can go to find connection and learn how other people's experiences can aid in your own journey. Speaking of which, I work in the field of behavioral health as a peer and youth support specialist. Working with both adults and children, I share my lived experience with mental illness, trauma, and addiction in order to connect with clients and help them see that they are not alone. Helping them to share their story, set goals, build hope, and live self-directed, purpose-filled lives, which is the spirit I'm bringing to this podcast show. The website for this podcast is soundmindpodcast.com. There you will find social networks, learn more about guests, and where you can leave a comment or send me an email. And I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have a reaction to an episode. Now, on to today's guest. Linda, who prefers to be called Bug, is a mother, artist, volunteer, community activist, and event coordinator. She has been a multiple, which is to say a person diagnosed with disassociative identity disorder, since she was four years old. Although it has been a difficult journey, she now sees herself as firmly set on the path of recovery, healing, and growth, and has now dedicated her life to helping others discover the same. Bug uses art and a spiritual practice to support her mental health and through these things has found the coping mechanisms needed to be a successful functioning adult. The discovery of mental healing and growth has brought Bug to a place where she is determined to help others find happiness on the path of recovery through practices such as meditation, mindfulness, and a solid working relationship with a mental health professional and following a passion, which for Bug is painting. She is working to gain the skills and education needed to start a non-religious spiritual well-being center for those who need a little help finding their passion. And with that, let's meet Bug. Well, Bug, how are you? I am doing great. Yes. We just had a little pre-recording discussion about a camping, a horrific (laughs) camping vacation experience. And so... It wasn't like super horrific. It was just completely (laughs) underwhelming and entirely frustrating. Like good family time, but definitely not what I was looking for when I paid the check on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, poop, poop in the pool and on the mattress is a, a horrific in my right? book. <laughs> like, who does that? Who? Oh, gosh. And the way, I'm like, I could have just set up my tent on the side of the road. I'd have slept more comfortably with a lot less germs. Now I have to take an alcohol bath and not on the well, inside. <laughs> not on the inside. <laughs> like, I it's love that. Funny. I joke about that, but I have Crohn's. I wish I could drink. I can't. Oh, bummer. I nah, used to. It's all right. I think alcohol tastes gross anyway. <laughs> well, Bug, can you tell me a little about yourself? Uh, so I am um, 37 years old. Uh, not one of me, I just. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I was raised um, really differently than a lot of people I know. Uh, I was raised in the woods. Like uh, a lot of people my age are like the microwave generation. I'd be like the oldest millennial. Um, but I was raised like a boomer, like up in the mountains, fishing and hunting for my food. And, um, my Mm -hmm. dad was a Baptist preacher and a prison guard. It's a great combination. Um, makes for a good story for my therapist. Uh, so I have a lot of skills that a lot of people don't have, but I also missed out on a whole lot of, uh, like social stuff growing up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood because of my disassociative identity disorder. Uh, it causes memory issues and it also causes, um, <clears throat> uh, issues with concurrency, like, uh, 
when something happened? Did it happen mm -hmm. before this other event or after this other event? Like that's kind of hard. Can you explain but, for those who don't know what that is, um, what, what DID is? Oh, disassociative identity disorder. Uh, it used to be called multiple personality disorder. Um, it's basically just a uh, diagnosis that means uh, there are very distinct alternate personalities uh, within this body that hosts them, um, fully formed other identities um, other than myself, the host. Mm -hmm. uh, and they all serve a function and a purpose. And uh, typically, uh, disassociative identity disorder is um, associated with uh, PTSD, traumatic childhood events, um, usually prolonged traumatic childhood events. Um, it can be something as simple as a, a child who's diagnosed with cancer who goes to the hospital and is constantly put through trauma and pain and sickness, and it can cause a split there. Um, sexual abuse is one of the more common uh, triggers for uh, a split and it's it's a coping mechanism for your brain it's a way for your brain to go oh I, that didn't happen to me so you don't have to kind of face it mm -hmm. um, and once your brain learns to cope like that when you come across things in your life that are large stressors it can do it again and again and again and again um some people split into a whole bunch when they have trauma moments and some people just will have like a split and then later down the line, another split and another, another. And it's, it's kind of rare to find a, a multiple that only has like two. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's interesting <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and you didn't get the diagnosis until four years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Um, my early thirties. Uh, so I, I initially split when I was four years old um, and it was, uh, so me, the host, the person that they say the trauma happened to and um, Zoe, uh, she was like the initial split and Zoe is for, always for, doesn't change, doesn't slide, she is for, she'll have a birthday because she insists on having a birthday because she's four. And mm -hmm. we ask her how old she's going to be. It's four. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't even argue with that anymore. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, I lost my whole train of thought there. <laughs> that happens a lot in my brain too, especially when I'm talking about this, because then everybody inside that I have a connection to wants to chime in. Um, yeah. So it get, it, I get a little distracted if I don't like really focus. So. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't have the same reasons, but my, my brain just ant trails. I have to follow the ant trails back to what I was trying to, yeah, trying to say. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah, that's where we're at. But yeah. So then, uh, when, when I started getting, so I don't remember almost any of my childhood, like almost none. Like I remember some things pretty clearly when I was like three and then mm -hmm. I don't start having memories again until, like 11 or 12. And what happened was, and it's funny because when I got diagnosed, I told my family about this and they're like, Zoe is the name of the altar. Cause that's what you used to name all of your dolls when you were a kid. None of us were allowed to use that name. I was like, Oh, okay. That's weird. But, uh, when, um, the age difference got too much, uh, for her to maintain uh, a safe facade, saying this is a 12 year old child who's supposed to be doing 12 year old things. And she's refusing to like grow up um 
it created this very distinct and I started to reemerge and she regressed. And I don't remember any of that. I just, as I grew up, figured that people forget their childhood the older they get. Mm -hmm. But for me, I couldn't remember anything when I was in the sixth grade of kindergarten, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought that was normal. And so going through my adolescent years, uh, really, really strict father bouncing uh, from church to church to church to church. My dad would always like get into a fight or a disagreement and the church would split and we'd, God was calling us somewhere else. So we'd have to sell all of our things and do it happily because God wants us to get rid of all of our things so that my dad can go and be a part of this other church that God is calling him to go be a part of. And then we would get up and move and... Um, so all of this insecurity with the strict dad and the, the religious, and I, I do call it absolutely religious abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I grew up with all of that. And then um, when I was married in early 20s, my I, I got married at like 19 because I got pregnant at 19 and my parents really just like pushed the whole shotgun wedding thing. Um and I stayed married for 17 years to this guy. Um, and I kind of realized that he was pretty much the same uh, abuse as my dad and didn't even realize that he was too young to know that he was being abusive. And I was too young and subjugated because my, my parents never talked about like college or what my goals and passions were. It was always you're to grow up and marry a man of God so that you can serve him so that he can serve God. So I was just taught that I was, my only value is in making a happy husband. And so when my husband started telling me that he wanted to see other people and bring them into our marriage and have a relationship with them, I did so because it was my duty as a wife to make him happy, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realize what I was doing to myself. And Zoe came back. Uh, At first it was like a game that he thought I was playing like a stress relief where I'm just like coloring on the floor and pretending to be a little kid. And, and I let him think that cause I had no idea what was going on. Uh, my brain would just shut off. I was just gone. And then I would open my eyes and it would be hours or days later. And in a completely different spot, it's like the closest thing I could imagine time travel would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was terrifying. It was really terrifying. And I kept it to myself for about a year. And he thought that I was playing a game. Um, and I let him because I was like, oh, my God, there I'm I'm a nut. I'm a loon. I'm, I'm not safe for my kids. They're going to take my children away. And I'm just going to shut up about this because they're going to throw me in a cell and lose the key. <laughs> Oh, man, that must have been so scary. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You have no idea. Uh, And so one day, uh, about a year after this started happening again, I got into a fight with him, my ex, uh, and Zoe came out in the middle of it. And apparently... Like, so she, she looked at him like a father figure, like her construct, the design of Zoe is to be so cute, so adorable, so innocent and precious and just pure essence of joy and innocence, like that nobody could do her harm. Like everybody just falls in love with her and wants to protect her. That's her construct. That was her purpose. Mm -hmm. And he ripped her apart thinking it was me playing a game. Um. And she left and I came back and that's when I, like, I felt this hole inside myself and I panicked and I didn't know what was going on. 
sorry, this was really hard. No, <laughs> and I told him, I finally told him that it, I wasn't playing and that I don't know what's going on because he was really mad at me because he thought I decided to play a game in the middle of a really important fight. Important fight, like that's a thing, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, and I finally told him. And so we started like doing research on it and we got me a counselor and um, like I had a friend who had this, but I didn't understand it from her perspective like at all. I didn't recognize that what was happening to me was what would be happening to her Mm because everybody's DID is different. But um, I talked to her about it because I knew she had issues, kind of the same thing as losing time. And she was like, oh, so like we kind of went in knowing what was going on after a little bit of research. And when my ex and I finally split, I started seeing um, a therapist for real. And she uh, diagnosed me with disassociative identity disorder and um, acute anxiety and uh, clinical depression. Uh, so yeah, lots of little labels and tags and stuff to throw on there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was about four years ago that I got the official diagnosis. And it was kind of funny because the first therapist I saw like really upset me. And I think it was just because she was new. I didn't have insurance and I knew I needed help, but I couldn't afford to do anything for myself. And so I called a couple places to see if they had like low income programs or something. Yeah. And students. uh, Yeah. And so they had this one gal who it was like $10 a session because she had to get her hours in. And she immediately started talking to me about integration and I lost my shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's a huge move. Yeah. The word terrified me. I was like, are you stupid? Like, no, this is here for a reason. I don't want to remember. I don't want to have this four-year-old in my head consciously all the time. Cause like with Zoe, I'm not co-conscious. So she sometimes knows what's going on with me when she's not out but I never know what's going on when she's out like I don't have access like we don't communicate on the inside Mm -hmm. um but there's another one Sheena that showed up like just a couple years ago um and she is co-conscious with me that was a whole fun thing having the voices in the head for the first time that was I was gonna ask if you have conversations with each other or like or you plan for your life together uh, sometimes yeah so like so Sheena is um she's like the new gatekeeper like Zoe's still there she's like when you first are diagnosed with the ID it's kind of funny because everybody kind of has the same story like you know when when you're on the inside it's just black it's nothing it's just you're there you know there's there's really nothing but then because and the first therapist I saw she told me one thing she was like you need to honor the parts and I didn't understand what that meant until I started like actually doing things that they needed. Um, like Sheena is, oh God, this, is this is almost embarrassing because not all parts are human. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheena is, uh, so when she's on the inside, she's mostly a mountain lion, but then like when she's talking to me, she's like this cat. Uh, oh, Egyptian lore. Uh, do you know uh, the goddess Bastet? Yeah. Very similar. Just okay. feline. 
And the crazy thing is, is that when I access her, I, not only do I not need my glasses, but I cannot see with them on. So like, oh wow, physiological. So your your physiological body. Well, yeah, that's what that means. When but my yeah. first, yeah, when we first found out about it with Zoe, like my ex was a, a real book smart kind of guy. Common sense that God gave a pickle, but book smart. <laughs> um, and so we started doing like little experiments. Like we would take my blood pressure, temperature, respirations, heart rate, all of that, and then we would trigger Zoe and do it again. And Zoe is left-handed. I'm right-handed. Um, and Zoe, uh, her heart rate, her respirations, her blood pressure, her pull, it, it's all different, like within minutes. Wow. It, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Um, but it, it makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. a different person. So yeah. it would have. So yeah, like it's, it's really hard because sometimes one of, the, one of the biggest problems with DID is uh, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, am I making this up? Well, yeah, it's, it's just all in my head. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what do you do with that? Like, and so the therapist who diagnosed me, I'm like, so this is, this is DID. Like, this is what I have. Like when she finally, like when she was like, okay, I've done enough research. We'd have enough sessions. I'm comfortable with this. And I'm like, so that's it. It was like a moment for me. And she was like, so whether it's DID and whether this is real or not, whether I believe it's real or not, because I asked her, because there's a big split in the mental health community as to whether mm-hmm. dissociative identity is even real. Uh, a lot of people just think it's fake, you know, that you're just pretending. And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of, it's all in your head. But the fact that that we create our own reality I mean, every single thing that you see in this world came from somebody's head. Yeah, it's, but I think the difference is you didn't choose it. You didn't decide right? to create a personality. So it's not manipulation is the difference. Like yeah, this is yeah. something that authentically, authentically, organically came out of you because of a trauma response. Yeah. Versus exactly. you going, I'm going to make this up so that I can get something out of somebody or so they'll take pity on me or so whatever. Right. I'm like, who in the world would want that? This is right. insane. Like sometimes I'm just trying to have a normal conversation with a person and the chattering that's going on inside my head is just nonstop. And then all of a sudden I'll just holler, would you please be quiet? Mm. at this person I'm trying to have a conversation with and I'm like oh my god sorry and I call that my inside out conversation sometimes they just come out when I don't want them to um are most people supportive of you or your friend your friends and people that you meet do they understand it yeah it took me it took me a little while because it was like a year and a half of keeping it like secret secret like I didn't want anybody to know because I was still like terrified that they were going to take my kids and the more I like I talked to my therapist the more I was like okay so I'm I'm not just some pariah now I'm like I figured everybody would look at me like I'm completely incapable like I I was filing for disability because of my Crohn's was completely out of control and they asked me if there was anything else that they might use to gain me my disability status and I was like nope nope not at all (laughs) yeah I was just scared but then I was like you know what 
this is this is who I am and if I don't be honest with people I mean and I'm not like oh you have to tell every little thing that pops in your head but if you don't let people know who you really are then they cannot really love you mm-hmm. because they're loving what they believe you are what you've allowed them to see not what you really are mm-hmm. and so I figure if the people find out about this and then don't want to have anything to do with me because of it, then they're kind of doing me a favor. Yeah. I went at the same <laughs> thing with bipolar disorder. It's not the same, obviously illness, but the the stigma that comes with having a severe mental illness and mm-hmm. talking about it, letting people know you have it, they automatically assume that you're rage monster or you're a drama queen mm-hmm. or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I feel like every time I tell someone I'm bipolar, I then have to spend all this time proving that I'm actually lovable despite of it. Oh my God. Right. Like, Oh, it <sighs> used to make me so angry. Like I have little, uh, ticks, um, that indicate a, a trigger like a tran like a transition uh, is what I call it I don't I don't even know most of the words for this stuff I just kind of say it what, what my experience is mm-hmm. um, I try not to do too much reading and research on it because I'm like I don't want to like self-propagate this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, that makes sense so like I'd be I'd be sitting in the car and like what before Zoe come out she like I just you know I just like I'm bored just kind of rattle my lips you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't even notice that I would do it, but then I would catch everybody in my family just staring at me and like kind of smiling. Cause they all know like Zoe's just adorable. They all love her. She's just part of the family. Like she's just like, whatever the kids I'm too much on them. They're like, mom, can Zoe come out? <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I look at them like, guys, I'm, I'm not a circus freak. Like I'm not yeah. some sideshow for you to stare at. This is not a party trick. This isn't fun. This is scary. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. Uh, I don't like it. Like, so can we please stop treating me like I'm some sort of freak? Like mm-hmm. it's not cool. And that's like the biggest thing. Like I don't mind answering questions about it, but the biggest question I get is like, well, have I been around her? And I'm like, dude, she's four. You'd know. Yeah. I'm like, it's not like just me. It's like, I have pictures of myself when I was younger. Uh, Like someone did a photo shoot and you can see it looks like two different children in the exact same outfit sitting in the exact same background because one of them is her and one of them is me. Mm -hmm. And it's the weirdest thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what percentage of your time do you spend as bug versus your, uh, your alters? So almost, almost all the time I'm bug. Like, so it's kind of funny cause it's like, I am, we, we are, I, I, we are, yeah. like, and it's, it just is. So even when you're you, you're still also them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, so it's kind of funny cause Linda was the original and Nin is the one who holds the memory. Zoe is the first one who came out and then there's Sheena who popped out about two years ago. Um, and then there's this really aggressive male energy that hasn't really like, it's not, he's not like a fully thing. Like, I think it's mostly just like, uh, that's my sexual side, my energy side, that sexual aggressiveness that I have, um, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, part of this, apparently. <laughs> it's a real common uh, thing for a multiple to have a side that is just that because most of us have something in our past 
that deals with trauma in a sexual nature. Mm-hmm. And so having a part that allows you to still enjoy that part of an adult life that is separate from you know, the littles, I think is why that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while that was Sheena until um, with my boyfriend, I guess uh, I was feeling insecure and uh, he's a multiple too, which is kind of funny. It's one of the first things we started connecting on. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's really interesting um, because the altar in him triggered Sheena to like fully, one of his altars triggered her to like fully, like it was a very weird thing. And then all of a sudden I've got her voice in my head going, what's this? What's that? What's this? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Where am I at? What's this? What's going on? What's this? And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. And finally she was like, oh, we're freaking someone out. Calm down. Be quiet. Because I couldn't talk or think or focus I was just like confused and crying because I'm not co-conscious with Zoe and Nin Mm -hmm. when Sheena came out and now there's a voice in my head oh (laughs) Oh, wow um so yeah and I think that I was feeling insecure in this new relationship and Zoe wasn't a safe transition anymore because she didn't offer that same protection that she did when I had a partner who would like babysit her when she was out. Like she came out a few times after I split from my ex, tried to teach herself how to ride a bike and bunged up my knee really bad. Uh, and then I guess she was after snacks or something. Cause she just, whenever Zoe's around, she just wants snacks. She just wants to eat. <laughs> and uh, she left and I transitioned back in like mid fall down my stairs. So Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she wasn't a safe place to be anymore. And then all of a sudden, here's Sheena. Because she can. Sheena is powerful and aggressive and intelligent and funny and uh, just this big, huge presence. Like the first time my 17-year-old daughter met her, I was just sitting on the couch in the living room. And she looks over at me and does this double take and goes, oof, your energy is huge. Who are you? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, and she goes, you, what? You see? You, hi. (laughs) She calls my kids the cubs. Oh. She doesn't really see them as like her kids. Like their part, she, she knows that she has a job in the system. She knows she's here to protect. Like with her life, they would be protected, but they're not her cubs. They're mine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And nobody gets a name. I'm the girl. The boyfriend is the boy. And the kids are the cubs. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So the uh, your other parts of your personality, do they, uh, like when you talked about riding a bike, did Zoe ever learn how to ride a bike? Does she learn like new skills? Oh, yeah. Like, um, like after she did that, uh, my ex, like the next time she came out, like helped her kind of learn, which is funny because I know how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't figure it out until like he helped her like you would help a kid with a bicycle (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that was my next question is like with the depression and anxiety do they suffer from depression and anxiety also or are some of them I don't I don't so I don't know like so Zoe I mostly I'll feel her um like I'll feel her emotions that's that's like the only communication I kind of get from her and she's Unless she's feeling, like, neglected and alone and sad, um, 
like she's just this happy bubbly bouncy cute like i've never she has never come out and been introduced to anybody that did not immediately fall in love with her Mm -hmm. so she's always just kind of this happy little thing and when she's not like uh like my ex told me one time she got super sad because um he was doing thanksgiving and like the wishbone was left out and she came out and found it and uh he was like, Oh, you get to make a wish and whatever you wish will come true. And so he like did the wishbone with her and, you know, made sure she got the bigger part and let her have a wish. And apparently she got like all excited. Like she was so excited. And he was like, what, what'd you wish for? What, what makes you, what are you so excited about? And she told him that she wished for her own body. Oh, and he had to explain to her that that would never happen. And apparently, so when I came back and I was just like soaked in tears and like, like that dry heave to crying. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, it really upset her. But other than that, cause she, she is about as asexual as it comes and she hates what she calls the big girl parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was only like, like she was really upset by the big, like she hates them. Like she doesn't like any of my clothes that are too low cut. Um, nothing like that she she didn't like any of it um until i had my son who uh was who's five now um and i breastfeed my kids and she was like oh those are for babies and then she was okay with them Mm. but when they were just a sexual thing she did not like them she hated mirrors she doesn't like looking in mirrors um like she wants to be dressed up and have her hair and pigtails and like do the cute stuff, but she doesn't like to look at it. Mm. And she sounds completely different than me. Like I have a, I have a lateral lisp because my tongue is too wide for my mouth and she can't say her R's. Okay. Yeah. It's just weird. Just crazy weird stuff. (laughs) That's really interesting. How does it affect you at work? So, um, Zoe is really manageable um, because her construct. Like, I am very lucky in terms of how this affects my my of uh, my outside life. I guess, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I'd be considered uh, what you would call passable <laughs> um, as a normie or a muggle. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Zoe's construct is to be very well behaved so that she's never in trouble and everybody's happy with her. And so we just set rules like you cannot come out in adult situations. You're not allowed to come out while the big girl is working. You're not allowed to come out while the big girl is driving. And so far we haven't had an issue. She came out once while I was in a college class, but it was for like five seconds and then she was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I didn't miss much. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, she's pretty, she's pretty okay. Sheena uh, helps a lot. Like if I'm having a really, really super rough emotional day, like she doesn't like to, but she'll take over at my job if she has to. Um, she gets really upset because I have, <laughs> I have this client I had, I don't work there anymore, but he was a very large, almost 500 pound man in a wheelchair, blind. And part of my job was cleaning up after him. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, so when I would have rough days and she would have to take over, uh, it was she was not happy with me about it. You're a home health care provider. Yeah. Well, not anymore. I, I got fired last week. Previously. Oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he has mental issues himself. And he, um, in his mind, I walked into his house screaming and yelling at his girlfriend and her daughter and kicked them and their kitten and goldfish out of his house and made his girlfriend break up with him. When oh. in reality, I came in and discussed with him the fact that having a kitten in the house will get him kicked out of his apartment because he's not allowed to have it there. And his apartments are already trying to get him kicked out because he keeps breaking all of the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like that's what that's what actually happened. But yeah, it got me fired because in his mind, it happened the way that he says. Yeah. So what are you going to do now? Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because the universe has been pushing me in this direction. Um, and it's, it's funny how my DID connected this together because when you have disassociative identity disorder and you start to own it and you start to accept yourself and you start to accept all of your parts, um, for what they are and what their purpose is and how they've served you. Uh, to protect your mind like they really have like I am here because my brain was able to do this for me um, and I'm able to manifest these very real places within my mind like when Sheen is out I have my own place on the inside that I set up for myself that it's its own little world we all have our own little world in there and then we can all come together when we need to um, but if I can do that, then I know manifestation is real. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to wonder. Like, I see the reality of it in my own life and in my own brain. And so it allowed me to go, okay, so there's something to creating this reality. And I started kind of playing with manifesting things and... It took two years, but I convinced my landlord to let me rent the apartment next door to me and knock a wall out between it and rent both units. And not only did he come to me himself about it, I didn't go to him about it, but he came to me with that offer and then did all the work himself. Oh, wow. So I created that. And so I'm like, okay, so let's work on this. Let's grow this. And I've always been excessively empathetic and excessively intuitive. Um, like I just know things that are going to happen sometimes and I don't have any reason or claim to be like, Oh yeah, I'm super special and I have super abilities. And no, I just am open to certain vibrational energies and energy is everything around us. And if we can use the vibrations that we put out into the universe through our positive thinking and our focusing on the things that we want to achieve, then we can, we can make that happen. Like we can affect those vibrations around us yeah. because everything is energy. And so, moving so when you talk about manifesting, here, you're, th you're talking about sitting down and 
like an, making an intention of something that you want and ma- meditating or what are you talking about? Yeah. So, so when you manifest something like the way that I've come at it is just like in this lighthearted, funny way, like, wouldn't it be funny if, wouldn't it be awesome if, wouldn't it be hilarious if, and you just imagine yourself in that situation, in that moment, feel the feels that you would be feeling. Imagine how happy you'd be. Like, think about them handing you a lottery ticket and it is the winning ticket and you know you're getting that money like like that feel like you can imagine yourself in that and you just put that vibration out it starts to change the vibrations around you and even if you don't gain that thing that you intended maybe the path was just to get as far into that thing so that you could then divert to the real thing Mm-hmm. Like you have to pick up certain skills or certain things that you need to figure out and life gives you lessons that you will repeat until you learn them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just natural. That's not some supernatural, weird, woo-woo, spiritual thing. It is just the nature of life. And so when you have figured out that you can create and it sounds so cliche but you can create your own happiness you can decide to be happy you can decide that no matter what else happens even though you have an abusive father in your past and an abusive ex and you have all of these mental health issues that you can go you know what in this moment i'm sitting here drinking a really great cup of coffee i'm cozy my house is mostly clean and my kids are healthy i can be happy I can choose to be happy about that and work on the other stuff. Yeah. It it really is a choice. And so I want to share that with people. I want to take people on that walk because there is no, there is no path to mental health. There is no road to mental health. There is a road of recovery, a journey of growth, a, a journey of doing mentally healthy things, but trying to reach this end goal, it's, there isn't this one point for every person that you all have to get to in order to achieve happiness, enlightenment, stability, mental health. Everybody's path is going to be different. Everybody's path is going to look different. And it is always a path. It's never an end point. So the more you move down this path, the more you can gain and the path can change directions at any time because happiness isn't one specific point. You carry that with you and the path is going to have bumps in it. And as long as you have your happiness with you, you'll get over those bumps just fine. You know, you don't let them stop you. So I want to help people find those things. So we're getting ready. Uh, My boyfriend just got this really great promotion with uh, a tech company and we're being moved to Virginia. And so the universe has been pulling things out of my hands that I don't need, like my job, (laughs) Mm because I was just clinging to it. Because after my last relationship, I was like, I will never be dependent on a man again. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. (laughs) And uh, so I I told him, I was like, so what do you need from me if I'm going to quit my job, uproot my family, and move across this entire country? Like literally from the furthest airport that you can get from each other. That's what I'm doing. I need to know from you what will make me equally entitled to everything you earn. And instead of telling me, you know, clean house, do the dishes, do my laundry, make me meals, blah, 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 like he could have. He says, I want you to start taking classes. So that if something happens to me, 
you're taken care of. So I'm talking to my therapist and she's telling me that I give really good advice. Like my therapist is telling me this. My friends are all coming to me for tarot readings and just, I, I need to vent and, oh, wow, that's a really good way to look at this. Like I'm, I've, I'm always that open door. My, my forte, the thing that I am best at in this world is creating a safe place for people, a place where a person can be exactly who they are without fear of judgment so I have this home that's got this amazing energy and people are always coming to me because I'm willing to help. And I just allow myself to be a channel for the things that I believe are out there. And so I'm like, why not live this passion? Why not let this passion fuel my life? Because I don't want to go take some menial job that will pay the bills but it doesn't feed my passion or help the world like I know I can. Yeah. And so I'm going to go to Virginia and I'm going to start a non-religious spiritual well-being center where people can come and have, have a tarot reading and some tea or a fire cup massage, or let's just do some painting or let's cuddle with a cat and talk about your problems. You know, like, let's let's line your chakras let's do reiki healing i'm actually taking a reiki class at the end of this month because i think that's going to be part of my services offered (laughs) because i do i fully believe in energy healing like people in the medical field are finding now because i still get because i was a cna and uh worked in the nursing homes i still get like the medical journal subscriptions and stuff like that um and they are now teaching energy work in nursing They are scientifically proving that the body does not stop at the skin and continues out past us to an electro field that can be manipulated and worked with. And that's what Reiki is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've always said supernatural things and, you know, quote, unquote, magic is just science we don't understand yet. Mm hmm. And so the fact that they're now starting to use this in the medical field in a scientific setting that has been backed by research and study and peer-reviewed, which, I mean, peer-reviewed is good, but you got to pay for that stuff. Um, I think that there's definitely, you know, something to it where I can go, hey, this is something that I already know how to do. So why not add a few little alphabets behind my name (laughs) and start doing this? Well, that's a great plan. I like it. You have a very calming presence, so I can see you <laughs> being very good at that. Thank you. I, I, that, that to me is one of the biggest compliments a person can pay. When someone walks into my home and says, wow, I'm so comfortable here. Like that, that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. if you can have somebody that isn't really like, oh, your best friend or family walk into your home and fall asleep on your couch, you know, they feel safe. And I, I do that all the time. If you just need to come here, decompress and take a nap and I just go put her around my house, cleaning up and doing whatever I do so you can rest. I'll do it. Like mm-hmm. I have friends who are trans who don't get to be trans out in the world. So they come to my home. And dressed out and decked out being exactly who they are just for the sake of doing that. And that is where my heart's passion is to allow people to be who they are exactly free of judgment. 
Well, and I like too what you're talking about um, choosing happiness because it sounds silly, you know, outwardly. If you're if you're just listening, you're like, oh, my choose to be happy, like that. Eh. But it's cogn- so cliche, but it's yeah. true. <laughs> but there's there's therapy mo- uh, modalities like cognitive behavioral therapy that teach exactly. you like your relation to your thoughts. It's okay to have the thought, but how you're relating to the thought will determine how you feel about it and how your mental health is. Exactly. So there's a lot, there's a lot to this on different planes, intellectual and spiritual. There's, it's, it's something that's really interesting to think about. And I certainly don't pretend to understand it all or have all the answers, but I really do like talking to people who are in this space um, about their experience and their intentions because it helps, you know, enrich my own. Right. Like I, I love speaking to people who, I mean, and I like talking to all kinds of people, but I like speaking to people who without me having because like oh I'm I'm a avid reader and avid learner but there are some things that I purposely do not research and I do not study because when I come together with other people and we find out that oh this is what I believe and this other person says oh my god I had that exact same experience and I believe that and it didn't come out of some book it mm-hmm. was these are two separate events at separate times with separate people having the same experience to me that's proof to me, that's, well, it's validation at least. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I don't research things that are considered supernatural. I don't do a whole lot of reading on um, magical things, I guess you would say. Because, I mean, and I do, I call myself, I call myself a witch. Uh, because if you look at the history of the word witch, it's just one who can manipulate the energies around them. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm capable of that. Like, I can create environments where people can feel either comfortable or I can create an environment around me that is unwelcoming to push people that are undesirable away. Like, and it's just a matter of breathing. (laughs) Like I know that that works. I've seen it work. So why would I not share that with somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for someone who's dealing with a mental health struggle? right now? Oh gosh, don't be afraid to look for help. Don't be afraid. Everybody says, oh, go talk to a therapist. And it seemed like another one of those cliche things. Um, But I thought I was doing great without therapy because my first therapist quit. Um, She went and started a private practice. Like I called to say, hey, I'm sick. I'm not going to make my appointment today. And they're like, oh, we can't reschedule. Today was her last day. And like someone who deals with anxiety and it has to do with insecurity and losing all of your things, (laughs) having that pulled away from you, you're like, oh, I'm not starting all over. I'm not telling everybody this story all over. I'll be just fine. And you're like, there's nothing they can tell me that I don't already know. And it all seems like, oh, it's common sense. I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. So I started going back to therapy because I found a therapist who was more interested in mental health uh, than she was in money. Um, and, uh, I found myself talking to a friend, uh, uh, after I'd been going for a couple of months and I kept saying, well, my therapist said, my therapist said, I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I don't just go in there and cry at her for an hour and leave. I, mm-hmm. I am getting something out of this. And I was like, okay, so even if you don't realize what it's doing for you, um, having a therapist for when either just as maintenance or as like, I don't need you all the time, but 
I'm struggling right now. That person who is outside of your life, like it's cool to talk to your friends. It's cool to talk to your family. Um, but having that person who is outside of your life, who can absolutely have that unbiased outside detached observation of your situation is invaluable. Um, and if you can't afford it, there's programs out there. Um, like, like I said, I found a therapist who literally was like, what can you afford? And I told her and she said, okay, $5 less than that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. I love her. Like I'm going to Virginia and we're still going to do telehealth cause I'm That's not great. using her. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's good to do research and study, but never stop reaching out. Like no matter how many times you reached out to look for help, somebody is going to have something that's useful to you in some way. If, if you just listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you have to offer before we wrap things up? Art. Art. Oh yes. Art. That's a, that's Absolutely. I am an artist as well. Above all, above all else. This is the thing that started me on my, my, path to like actually finding peace because I had no peace. I, I was in a constant state of trauma and I didn't know how to get out of it. Everything was bad. You become addicted to that bad feeling. And then somebody gave me a paint by numbers set and my mind melted away into it. I, I got close to the canvas and I disappeared for hours, which is easy to do when you have disassociation. Yeah. <laughs> but getting down into the details and just focusing on the itty bitty little dots, that one tiny section of color, listening to music while you're doing it. It doesn't have to be pretty. I literally just make swirls and shapes and dots on canvas and people are like asking me to buy my work, which I don't paint for money. Like I have a, a page on Facebook, Bug Manola Art, and I don't sell anything on there. I mean, if people ask me about a piece and they really want it, then you know, I'll, I'll give them a price, but like, I don't, I don't advertise for sale. I really just want people to art with me because art is not in the final product. Art is in the act of doing it. And the act of doing it is healthy for your brain. It is good for you. So pick up a pencil and scribble, pick up some watercolors and splash, go outside and draw a chalk sunshine on your driveway, whatever it is create something because that's where I started finding my healing and that's what I want to share with people. And that's why my spiritual well-being center will also have a very large art section. Well, that's really exciting bug. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed it. I did too. I had a lot of fun. I look forward to uh, seeing where else this goes. Absolutely. Well, you have yourself a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.